Chapter 16. Mark My Word Don't be afraid to borrow and lend Bibles. Some time ago, a man wanted to take my Bible home to get a few things out of it, and when he returned it, I found this noted in it. Justification. A change of state, a new standing before God. Repentance. A change of mind, a new mind about God. Regeneration. A change of nature, a new heart from God. Conversion. A change of life, a new life for God. Adoption. A change of family, a new relationship towards God. Sanctification. A change of service, separation unto God. Glorification. A new state, a new condition with God. In the same handwriting, I found these lines. Jesus only. The light of heaven is the face of Jesus. The joy of heaven is the presence of Jesus. The melody of heaven is the name of Jesus. The theme of heaven is the work of Jesus. The employment of heaven is the service of Jesus. The fullness of heaven is Jesus himself. The duration of heaven is the eternity of Jesus. Sir Francis Bacon said that some books are to be tasted, some to be swallowed, and some to be chewed and digested. The Bible is one that you can never exhaust. It is like a bottomless well. You can always find fresh truths gushing forth from its pages. That is the great fascination of constant and earnest Bible study. This is also the reason for marking your Bible. Unless you have an uncommon memory, you cannot remember for long the good things you hear. If you trust your ears alone, those good things you hear will escape you in a day or two. But if you mark your Bible and enlist the aid of your eyes, you will never lose them. The same applies to what you read. Bible marking should be made the servant of the memory. If properly done, it sharpens the memory rather than dulls it because it gives prominence to certain things that catch the eye, which by constant reading you get to learn of by heart. It helps you to locate texts. It saves you the trouble of writing out notes for your lessons or discussions. Once in the margin, it is always ready. I have carried one Bible with me a great many years. It is worth a good deal to me because I have so many passages marked in it that if I am called upon to speak at any time, I am ready. I have little words marked in the margins and they are a sermon to me. Whether I speak about faith, hope, charity, assurance, or any subject whatsoever, it all comes back to me. And however unexpectedly I am called upon to preach, I am always ready. Every child of God ought to be like a soldier and always hold himself in readiness. If the Queen of England's army was ordered to India tomorrow, her soldiers would be ready for the journey. But soldiers in God's army cannot be ready if they do not study the Bible. Whenever you hear a good thing, just write it down, because if it is good for you, it will be good for somebody else, and we should pass the coin of heaven around just as we do with money in this life. A single dollar can travel all over this land and the good we get out of God's word can do the same. Don't keep it to yourself. People tell me they have nothing to say. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. Get full of scripture.
and then you can't help but say it. It says itself. Keep the world out of your heart by getting full of something else. Some people have no problem talking about sports, but they cannot talk much about the scriptures. That tells you what is in their hearts. A man once tried to build a flying machine. He made some wings and filled them with gas. He said he couldn't quite fly, but the gas was lighter than the air and it helped him over lots of obstructions. When you get these heavenly truths, they are lighter than the air down here and they help you over trouble. Bible marking makes the Bible a new book to you. If there was a white birch tree within a quarter of a mile of your childhood home, you would remember it all your life. Mark your Bible, and instead of it being dry and uninteresting, it will become a beautiful book to you. What you see makes a more lasting impression on your memory than what you hear. There are many methods of marking. Some people use six or eight colored inks or pencils. They use black to mark texts that refer to sin, red for all references to the cross, blue for all references to heaven, and so on. Others invent symbols. When there is any reference to the cross, they put a little cross in the margin. Some write G, meaning the gospel. There is the danger of overdoing this and making your marks more prominent than the Bible itself. If the system is complicated, it becomes a burden and you are likely to get confused. It is then easier to remember the text than the meaning of your marks. Black ink is good enough for most purposes. I use no other, except I sometimes use red ink to draw attention to the blood. The simplest way to mark is to underline the words or to make a stroke alongside the verse. Another good way is to go over the printed letters with your pen, making the letters thicker. The word will then stand out like heavier type. Mark the word only in Psalm 62 in this way. Scripture Only in God does my soul rest. From Him comes my saving health. He only is my rock and my saving health. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Shall ye murder each other until ye are as a bowing wall and a tottering fence? They only consult to cast him down from his greatness. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse in their inward parts. Selah. My soul rest thou only in God, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my saving health. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 6. When any word or phrase is often repeated in a chapter or book, put consecutive numbers in the margin beside the text. Thus, in the second chapter of Habakkuk, we find five woes against five common sins. 1, verse 6. 2, verse 9. 3, verse 12. 4, verse 15. And 5, verse 19. Number the ten plagues in this way. When there is a succession of promises or commands in a verse, it is better to write small numbers at the beginning of each separate promise. Thus, there is a sevenfold promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. 1. I will make of thee a great nation. 2. And I will bless thee. 3. And make thy name great. 4. 
and thou shalt be a blessing. 5. And I will bless those that bless thee. 6. And curse those that curse thee. 7. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In Proverbs 1 verse 22 we have 1. Simple ones, 2. Scorners, and 3. Fools. I also find it helpful to mark the following. 1. Cross-references. Next to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, write, Through faith, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, because there we read, Through faith we understand that the ages were framed by the word of God. Next to Genesis chapter 28 verse 12, write, An answer to prayer, Genesis chapter 35 verse 3. Next to Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, write, 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 13 and Luke chapter 10 verse 42, which give illustrations of seeking the kingdom of God first. Beside Genesis chapter 37 verse 7, write, Genesis chapter 50 verse 18, which is the fulfillment of the dream. 2. Railroad connections. These are connections made by fine lines running across the page. In Daniel chapter 6, Connect, may he deliver, verse 16, able to deliver, verse 20, and delivered, verse 27. In Psalm 66, connect, come and see, verse 5, with come and hear, verse 16. 3. Words that have changed their meaning or where you can explain a difficulty or where the English does not bring out the full meaning of the original as happens sometimes with the names of God. 4. Unfortunate divisions of chapters. The last verse of John chapter 7 reads, And each one went unto his own house. Chapter 8 begins, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. The chapter should not be divided here. 5. Make a note of any text that marks a religious crisis in your life. I once heard the Rev. F. B. Meyer preach on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, and he asked his hearers to write in their Bibles that they were that day called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When a preacher gives out a text and preaches a sermon that affects you, mark the text in your Bible. Put a few words in the margin, such as key words that will bring back the whole sermon again. By that plan of making a few marginal notes, I can remember sermons I heard years and years ago. Every man ought to take down some of the preacher's words and ideas and then go and preach them again to others. We ought to have four ears, two for ourselves and two for other people. Then, if you are in a new town and have nothing else to say, jump up and say, I heard someone say such and such. People should always be glad to hear you if you give them heavenly food. The world is perishing for lack of it. Some years ago, I heard an Englishman in Chicago preach from a curious text. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are wiser than the wise men. Proverbs 30 verse 24 Well, I said to myself, what will you make of these little things? I have seen them many times. Then he went on speaking, The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. He said God's people are like the ants. Well, I thought, 
I have seen many of them, but I never saw one like me. They are like the ants, he said, because they are laying up treasure in heaven and preparing for the future. But the world rushes madly on and forgets all about God's command to lay up for ourselves incorruptible treasures. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. He said, The conies are very weak things. If you were to throw a stick at one of them, you could kill it. But they are very wise, for they build their houses in rocks, where they are out of harm's way. God's people are very wise, although very feeble, for they build on the rock of ages, and that rock is Christ. Well, I said, I am certainly like the conies. Then came the next verse. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go forth by bands. I wondered what he was going to make of that. God's people, he said, have no king down here. The world said, Caesar is our king, but he is not our king. Our king is the Lord of hosts. The locusts went out by bands or groups. So do God's people. Here is a Presbyterian group. Here an Episcopalian group. Here a Methodist group, and so on. But in his time the great king will come and catch up all these separate groups, and they will all be one, one fold and one shepherd. And when I heard that explanation, I said, I would like to be like the locusts. I have become so sick, my friends, of this miserable sectarianism that I wish it could all be swept away. We have enough denominations and division. The preacher continued, the spider takes hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. When he got to the spider, I said, I don't like that at all. I don't like the idea of being compared to a spider. But, he said, if you go into a king's palace, there is a spider hanging on his delicate web looking down with scorn and contempt on the gold-filled elaborate room. He is laying hold of things above. And so every child of God ought to be like the spider and lay hold of the unseen things of God. You see then, my brethren, we who are God's people are like the ants, the conies, the locusts, and the spiders. Little things, but exceedingly wise. I put that down in the margin of my Bible, and the recollection of it does me as much good now as when I first heard it. A friend of mine was in Edinburgh and he heard one of the leading Scotch Presbyterian ministers. He had been preaching from Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, Every eye shall see him, and he closed by saying, Yes, every eye. Adam will see him, and when he does he will say, This is he who was promised to me in that dark day when I fell. Abraham will see him and will say, This is he whom I saw afar off, but now face to face. Mary will see him, and she will sing her song with new interest. And I too will see him, and when I do, I will sing, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Here are some more examples that might be helpful to you. Turn to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. In these verses, we find seven I wills. Scripture Therefore say unto the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will free you out of their bondage, 
and I will redeem you with a stretched-out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you as my people, and I will be your God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning which I raised my hand to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it unto you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Look now at Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with thee. Do not be dismayed, for I am thy God who strengthens thee. I will help thee always. I will always uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Notice what God says. He is with his servant. He is his God. He will strengthen. He will help. He will uphold. Turn to Psalm 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. If you cannot remember all of these benefits, remember what you can. In the next three verses, there are five things to be sure to notice and remember. Scripture. Who forgives all thine iniquities? Who heals all thy diseases? Who redeems thy life from destruction? Who crowns thee with mercy and compassion? Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? Psalm 103, verses 3 through 5. God forgives all your iniquities. God heals all your diseases. God redeems your life from destruction. God crowns you with mercy and compassion. God satisfies your mouth with good things. Let's look at Psalm 23. I suppose I have heard as many good sermons on the 23rd Psalm as on any other six verses in the Bible. I wish I had begun to take notes upon them years ago when I heard the first one. Things slip away from you when you get to be fifty years of age. Young people had better go into training at once. Scripture The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff shall comfort me. Thou shalt prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup is running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will rest in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 What we can write down about this psalm? With me, the Lord. Beneath me, green pastures. Beside me, still waters. Before me, a table. Around me, my enemies. After me, goodness and mercy. Ahead of me, the house of the Lord. Blessed is the day, says an old preacher, when Psalm 23 was born. It has been more used than almost any other passage in the Bible. Here is another way to look at Psalm 23. Verse 1, a happy life. Verse 4, a happy death. Verse 6, a happy eternity. Take Psalm 102 verses 6 and 7. 
I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. This seems strange until you reflect that a pelican carries its food with it, the owl keeps its eyes open at night, and the sparrow watches alone. So, the Christian must carry his food, the Bible, with him, and he must keep his eyes open and watch alone. Turn to Isaiah chapter 32 and mark four things that God promises in verse 2. And that man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a hot land. Here we have the hiding place from danger, the cover from the tempest, the rivers of water, the rock of ages. In the third and fourth verses of the same chapter we read, And the eyes of those that see shall not be dim, and the ears of those that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. We have eyes, ears, heart, and tongue, all ready to pay homage to the King of Righteousness. Now turn to John chapter 4, verses 47 through 53 in the New Testament. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said unto him, Go, thy son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke unto him, and he went. And as he was now going down, his slave met him and told him, saying, Thy son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son lives, and he believed, and his whole house. The nobleman heard about Jesus. The nobleman went unto him. The nobleman besought him. The nobleman believed him. The nobleman knew that his prayer was answered. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Someone has said these verses contain the only description we have of Christ's heart. Something to do. Come unto Jesus. Something to leave. Your burden something to take, his yoke, something to find, rest for your soul. Let's look at one more. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, follow me. The truth, learn of me. The life, abide in me. Here are some suggestions that might be beneficial to you. Do not buy a Bible that you are unwilling to mark and use. An interleaved Bible gives more room for notes. Be precise and concise. For example, Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 18, a warning from history. 
Never mark anything because you saw it in someone else's Bible. If it does not come home to you, if you do not understand it, do not mark it down. Never pass a nugget by without trying to grasp it. Then, mark it down.